Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb, and I'm Julie Douglas. And we live in a we live in a curious biological world. Uh, we've profiled a lot of interesting uh, specimens on this show over the years, and. Uh, Today, we want to talk about animal sexual fluidity and general, the, the general fluidity of, uh, of, of sex and gender itself in the animal kingdom. Yeah, because we can't help but sort of take our humanness and just project it onto other organisms out there. So when we talk about gender bending, mm-hmm. so to speak, in the animal world, what are we talking about? We're not just talking about sharing parental Duties. So I'm talking about the seahorse. Ah, yes. uh, it's not enough to carry up to 1,500 eggs in your marine animal version of a baby Bjorn to be considered uh, someone who is gender switching. So we are going to talk specifically about animals that change their sex and, and why they do it. And while we're talking about this, why not talk about the sex change chicken? Oh, yes. You're talking about uh, Gertie the hen, who later became Birdie. B-E-R-T-I-E, Bertie 
instead of Gertie. Uh, this was the rooster. A, the rooster, yes. A two thousand. This is in two thousand eleven, where you had a pair of uh, British chicken farmers, and they observed a spontaneous gender change in their previously egg-laying hen Gertie. So she began to walk around like a rooster, put on weight, developed wattles under her chin, and she also grew dark brown plumage and a scarlet coxcomb on top of her head. Yeah, and she began to crow. <laughs> um, the the British couple said that at first the crow was terrible, but with practice, she actually sounded uh, like a rooster. And uh, according to Remy Molina, writing for Live Science, um, what happens with birds is that you have two sex organs present during the em- embryonic stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once a chicken's female genes kick in, it typically develops only the left ovary, the right gonad, which is yet to be defined as an ovary or testes or both, is called the ovotestis, remains dormant. So the idea here is that something like an ovarian cyst, a tumor, or maybe even a diseased adrenal gland caused the ovary to shut down in Gertie, and then the dormant ovotestis kicked in and produced androgens, which are hormones that are associated with male characteristics, which would have led to Gertie's, but then Birdie's physical and behavioral changes. And this is more of an example of a loophole in yeah. sexual dimorphism. Um, but we're really going to talk more about organisms that are intentionally switching this up as a survival tactic or even a response to environmental conditions. Yeah, situations where sex switching yeah, is about the long game of survival. Now, there are a couple of types of sex switching. Um, the first is simultaneous hermaphrodites, and they have both female and male re- reproductive parts for their entire life, and they can mate with any other member of their species they should find. We're talking about more like fish and gastropods. Slugs, to call back to our, our slug uh, sex episode. Yes, that make up the bulk of, of this type. And then you have uh, sequential hermaphrodites. And uh, sequential hermaphrodites are born as one sex, but change completely into the other sex during the course of their lives. So this is definitely the more um, engaging uh, for, for human eyes example of, of sex changing because it's one where an animal is, is actually transitioning from one gender into another and sometimes back again. So the question is, why doesn't it occur more, especially if you consider that this kind of strategy would double your chances for a Saturday night, uh, so to speak, because you'd have, you know, from these strategies, a large number of offspring. Mm-hmm. So Suzanne Alonzo, assistant professor of ecology and ev- evolutionary biology at Yale University, says, quote, an intuitive yet rarely studied uh, explanation is that the considerable time or energy it takes to change sex make hermaphroditism unfeasible for most animals. That was the idea that she went into when mm-hmm. she and her team created this theoretical model of hermaphrodite and separate sex life histories. And in their their game, or rather the model, sex change players, I put players in quotes, vary the age of their sex change while the separate sex strategy responds by altering the number of male and female offspring it produces. And they found that a hermaphrodite could spend 30% of its lifetime in the process of changing sex and yet still persist in a population. And so what that suggests is that um, only huge changes or, or costs, rather, um, can disfavor sex change. Hmm. So 30 percent 
is not really enough to be of concern to limit that species lifespan. They can still exist while doing this. If it were more up to 50% of their time, 70% of their, their time and energy changing into another sex, then it might become an issue. And so Alonzo and the researchers say that just taken alone, that this cannot be the only reason why it's uh, rare in nature. And maybe it's more about the environmental conditions, which are generally more balanced. So you don't have to worry so much about there being too many females or too many males. Okay. So it's when the environment is out of balance. That's when something has to change. Yeah. And she also said for some species, uh, parental duties might affect this as well. So okay. it might be more advantageous just to have the separate sex system in place. Okay. All right, so this leads us to the area of gender performance. Now, this is a, obviously a situation where a male is not changing into a female. A female is not changing into a male. But sometimes there is an advantage in uh, pretending that you are a member of the opposite gender. Uh, one wonderful example of this uh, is the is, occurs with cuttlefish. So you have two you have a two tiered system of males with cuttlefish. You have uh, big brash brawlers, and then you have smaller stealthy lotharios. And uh, the the footage of of these uh, encounters between the males, particularly in the larger cuttlefish species, not the the cute small ones, the little iridescent ones that you see. Um, uh, at so many aquariums, but I'm talking about the big uh, Cthulhu-esque ones. They get into these big, uh, tearing fights with each other, like ripping tentacles apart, just really brawling all over the rights to the uh, the female cuttlefish that are that are sort of waiting in the wings there. So, on the surface of things, this might seem like it would just really uh, favor the big brash brawlers, while the the stealthy Lotharios would be on the outskirts, right? They, what are the, how are they going to get in there? Well. So what they do is they use uh, the, the cuttlefish uh, powers of shape changing and color changing, uh, particularly by use of their uh, chromatophores, uh, to look like a female, to sort of draw in, uh, change their color a bit, and then they can move in. They move in closer to the female, and then the big uh, the big brawler guy that's over here hanging out, he looks over and he's like, oh, that's just another female getting close to the female that I want. Maybe I'll mate with both of them. So I'm not going to do anything, right? Uh, but meanwhile, that uh, the little guy is getting closer and closer so that he can breed and often does successfully breed with the female cuttlefish. And so just clever is this uh, disguise and so, so perfect, the use of their chromatophores. Uh, a 2012 study uh, out of uh, Macquarie University in Sydney, Australia, found that males can actually split themselves down the, mem- the, the middle, appearing to be a male on one side of their body and a female on the other. So he's he's floating here between uh, the the big brawler and the the female and to the big brawler it looks like a, a lady cuttlefish just floating there harmless but on the other side he's flirting and uh, and and gaming to mate with the female i like that it's kind of like having your own split billboard yeah indeed all right um now the female market squid does a similar thing uh, what she does is she flashes a pair of fake testes. Oh. And uh, this is really interesting because the life of a female market squid is not an easy one. You have hundreds of thousands of market squids gathering to reproduce with really aggressive behavior from the males, which often causes injuries. And female squids, they will lay uh, tubes of their eggs on the seafloor. And that's all good and well, except that you, a lot of times... Above them will be a big ball of um, sort of breeding ball in the ocean. Mm-hmm. 
going on. And so it's really easy for them to kind of get sucked back into that breeding ball. And again, it's very violent. It takes up a lot of their energy and their resources, and they have just laid these tubes of eggs on the floor. So what do they do to try to counteract this? Well, they use a little subterfuge. They control the appearance of this white stripe down the part of their body that mimics the approximate size, color, and position of testes on a male squid. So the male sees this and thinks, oh, not female, leave alone. Mm -hmm. She gets off scot-free. And according to Daniel DiMartini, uh, one of the co-authors of a study on female market fish, so we've seen the chromatophores, right? The chromatophores, mm-hmm. um, this, those sort of specialized pigment cells and the ability to change coloring, right? But right. we have never seen before uh, the ability to turn white on and off. Huh. And this is due to a specialized type of cell called a leucophore. So she's essentially, it's like when the taxi sign goes in service, out of service. Yeah, with, you know, just testes as the okay. symbol, I suppose. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, that brings us to the world of garter snakes. Now, I want everyone to imagine themselves in Manitoba, Canada for a minute. All right. The, the snow is melted. Spring is setting in. And that's when tens of thousands of red-sided garter snakes emerge from their limestone dens and begin to ga- engage in great tangled mating rituals. We're talking Roman orgies of serpentine sex performed right out in the open, right there on the limestone. Roman orgies. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just big. It's Caligula. Big, yeah, Caligula balls of snakes going at it right there in front of God and everybody. Afterwards, uh, after all is said and done, now they end up sliding off into the local marshes for the summer, uh, carry about their life, and then they return to their dens in early fall. Now, generally speaking, in each of these big clustered balls of snakes, there's a female at the center. Uh, because uh, the, the males are competing for the mating rights there. Uh, that's all. That's what's going on in, in this big tangle. But in some cases, the males actually mimic females to wind up at the center of the heap. Sly. Yeah. Now you might wonder, well, why? Why would a male snake do that? Well, think again. Think again about the fact that they're they're doing this. They're having this big snake orgy out in the open. So birds of prey are well aware that this occurs because this is an all-you-can-eat snake buffet. Just just come down to, you know, t- talons and, and beaks uh, ablaze and just eat as much as you want. So there is a survival advantage in being at the center of that heap because you're going to be far harder to get to. There's far less possibility that these birds of prey are going to feed on you. So maybe this uh, male snake, he doesn't have an actual sh- shot at reproductive success uh, in, in, in a tangle, but... If he pretends to be a female, he can at least get a survival advantage and uh, and and get to snake off into the uh, the marshes. So all plots in nature lead back to booze and buddies. Is yes. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about females imitating males imitating females. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this was in one of Shakespeare's dramedies, but I don't remember which one. I'm sure. I'm sure that Shakespeare looked at the African bat bug, which is a small reddish-brown parasite that feeds off bat blood. Take that, bats. And uh, probably penned a a couple of stories based on them. Um, These bat bugs practice something called traumatic insemination. We've talked about this before. It's when males stab females in the abdomen with needle-like penises, and they inject sperm directly into the bloodstream. 
And, uh, yeah, right. It's, it's, it's pretty violent. It's hard on, on the females. And it's also hard on other males because sometimes males do it to other males. And so this may be more of a combat thing. So to protect themselves, the female bat bug develops something called perigenitals. We're talking about a funnel-like genital opening on their body that tricks the male bat bug into sticking, you know, the needle-like penis into this area huh. that is filled with immune cells. So it's it's really a smart strategy by the female bat bugs because what it does is it reduces the site of injury mm-hmm. to this one location and it's guiding the probe straight in, straight into a bucket of immune cells and that helps to reduce the impact of injury. Now, male bat bugs took notice of this. <laughs> and this is where the uh, males who are imitating females comes in and created a similar perigenital to redirect attacks on their bodies, except that the perigenitals made them look more like females. Oh, so right. Oops. So they adopted a differently shaped funnel, which is more open and exposed. And that greatly reduced attacks. So now you have females noticing that the males have done this and made this adaptation, and they also adopt the differently shaped funnel. And Klaus Reinhardt of the University of Sheffield, UK, who who led a study on this, um, says that both of these female and male bat bugs who made these further adaptions, adaptations, uh, they suffered fewer mating scars than those with standard closed forms. Huh. So we see you know, just this arms race between the genders in these uh, African bat bugs. Right. So then the question becomes, well, <laughs> do they just keep creating these <laughs> these uh, iterations of paragenitalia until it, they become ridiculous looking? Or, yeah, until it know. becomes... I mean, there, I guess there has to be a point where the, like, the wave kind of breaks and falls back, right? Because at some point... Um, it would it would not be sustainable. So there'd be like a level of complexity that it couldn't go beyond, right? So yeah, that brings up the question about what form will they ultimately take? Hmm. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. 
Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, another wonderful example of this type of uh, pseudo-gender is uh, the uh, female-spotted hyena. And this is this is pretty remarkable because uh, female-spotted hyenas are the socially dominant, larger, and more ag- reg- uh, aggressive of their species. And they have a pseudo-penis. Now, to be clear... What they have here is an enlarged clitoris that can actually achieve a seven-inch erection, uh, as well as a structure that looks like a scrotum, a pseudoscrotum, that's formed uh, from the labia. And uh, this makes them the only female mammalian species devoid of an external vaginal opening. And uh, that's why uh, we used to we used to think well, that that they might be hermaphrodites, that, that these were either hermaphrodite individuals in the species, or or that the the species itself. Uh, featured hermaphrodites. Um, now, on a 
there are a lot of mysteries that remain about like what purpose this actually serves uh, for the uh, for the spotted hyenas. But on a biological basis, it's all due to higher levels of the hormone androgen in the females, particularly the pack dominant females. So it gives them their greater sizes, the greater strength, but it also makes reproduction difficult. So this uh, there are basically three areas where uh, where where, the, where we see the wages of this. Uh, first of all, it creates an awkward mounting situation for males and females. But I'm sure that Clarissa is getting in the way. Yeah. yeah. It, in fact, it's to the point they say that the uh, the males like really have to learn how to do it. Like there, some species they just you know take to it like a horse to water. But with the spotted hyena, the male is going to have to get in a little practice before he can actually connect. Um, also, there's a there's some difficult plumbing here when it comes to uh, to the, the birth of the, the pups because they have to give birth through this pseudopenis. So on one level, you're talking about a narrow birth canal. Uh, it's an inch in diameter, and the tissue often tears as a two-pound pup squeezes through. And that rip can actually prove fatal. So that means that there's a higher mora- mortality rate for first-time uh, spotted hyena mothers. Additionally, uh, the the umbilical cord is a bit on the short side compared to the length of the birth tube. So the cord often breaks before the cub emerges, and this can uh, this can lead to uh, uh, to death uh, for the for the young cub. In fact, sixty uh, percent of hyena cubs die of suffocation inside the pseudopenis. Wow. So another example of this that we we've had on this show many times, I feel like I need to say, and come out to the stage again, <laughs> once again, and join us, Brazilian cave insects, um, because in the May 2014 edition of Current Biology, Yoshizawa Kazunuro et al., they documented their findings from when they dissected four species of cave-dwelling winged insects from Brazil called Neotrogla. And they realized when they dissected them that the females had an internal penis-like structure that they likely only extended during mating, and the males had a pouch-like vagina. And so, okay, what are the mechanisms of this? Well, during mating, the female's spiny penis gets tightly anchored to the male's male vagina sperm duct, Mm-hmm. allowing the female to receive the semen. So in other words, the penis functions more like a straw than a spout. And if the male tries to break away, the abdomen would, well, rip open and he would lose his genitals there. Um, the female insects also mate with multiple males and they can store two batches of sperm in the body. All right. What they think, the researchers think, is that it could be the environmental conditions that have created this sort of penis-like structure in the female cave insects. That's because there is a lot of competition among males for fertile females. And in the cave environment, food is scarce. And so it turns out that the male sperm is seen as a nuptial gift because not only um, can the female cave spider transfer this to her eggs, but before she does so, she can actually eat some of it, and it has nutritional value. So you see here that that's why the female is taking the role here as the aggressor Mm -hmm. in the reproductive relationship and essentially scooping out that sperm with this penis-like structure. All right, that brings us to the area of gender change, outright gender change. And we see this uh, particularly in three different uh, fish species, uh, which serve as, as wonderful examples. The first of which is the anemone fish, a.k.a. the clownfish. 
And if you're a parent, a.k.a. the Nemo fish, um, these are some of the most prominent examples of sequential hermaphrodites. Uh, they live in a, a mutualistic relationship with a single anemone for most of their lives. And this is, of course, the uh, you know the, the, the small aquatic organism with the with the stinging uh, uh, tendrils, right? But uh, the um, the anemone fish are uh, have an immunity to that sting, so it's a wonderful, safe place to live. Uh, but they're also kind of isolationist uh, here. Okay, so in this uh, anemone neighborhood, you have a sole female. Uh, and the and the largest male, and those are the ones doing all the mating. But when the female dies, the largest fish in the anemone neighborhood becomes a female, and then she begins mating with the next male. So you have a, a huge advantage to reproduction in this. Uh, you get additional genetic diversity because every fish in the immediate environment is uh, a potential mate, but it's also particularly good since, again, it's, we're talking about a secluded uh, little neighborhood, a secluded environment. They don't stray from far from home. So if you need uh, that uh, uh, that diversity, if you need a new female, you just make one from the, the population. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Another example of this is the parrotfish, which is common around uh, tropical reefs throughout the world. And one of the adaptations that makes them unique and really interesting is that they have pharyngeal teeth, which uh, you can use to grind up corals, or they use to grind up corals. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is that at night, they surround themselves in this mucus-like cocoon to protect them while they sleep. And the idea is that the cocoon could mask their scent and making them harder for nocturnal predators like moray eels to find. But, of course, the the super interesting thing about them um, is that they can change sex in response to fluctuations in population density. So they have two strategies when it comes to this. In the first strategy, they're all born female, and then later they can change sex into males. And they can also begin life as males, second strategy, known as primary males. Hmm. And it's thought, again, that this uh, sex change is in response to low population density in, in one or the other of the genders. So in parrotfish populations, the large super males, these are large males that were once female, are dominant, and they claim most of the females. And the primary males often spawn in groups with one female. So starting out as a female and then changing sex later would be really advantageous. Females don't have any trouble finding mates, no matter how large they are, while the males are much more reproductively successful as larger individuals. So they can reproduce as females when they're younger, and then when they grow to a large enough size to compete as males, they change sex and reproduce as super males. Hmm. Now, you see a, a similar situation with hawkfish. Now, hawkfish are another tropical coral-dwelling fish. Um, and in the wild, they have been uh, been observed to participate in what we call bidirectional sex change. Uh, so they're going from female to male, but then also back again. Uh, so it's a similar situation with the parrotfish, fe- uh, f- you know, functional females changing into males uh, if a dominant super male dies, but they can change back. Ah, so they, they're multidirectional when it comes to that. Yeah, multidirectional. You can think of it in terms of, you know, they, there's a, there's an opening on the staff. This individual can transition into that road for, into that role for a little bit, but then uh, when they're no longer needed there, 
back into their previous role. And this kind of this reminds me of that whole concept of survival as a whole as a species, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just about the individual fish here, it's looking at the whole population and responding accordingly and making sure that ah, yes, we can respond to that and change and and um you know, offspring and uh, its corresponding genetic packages can be furthered into the future. Yeah. It's like we need a male to survive. We need a female to survive. Who's going to step up and change? And then you, you have, uh, you have a fish that comes up and does the, the job. And then the, uh, the genetic, uh, lineage can continue. Now we wanted to leave off, uh, this episode with this really cool butterfly that was discovered at the Natural History Museum of London in 2011. It's a Mormon butterfly. It hatched, and the staff noticed, hey, this, the coloring looks a bit off on this. And uh, they, they looked closer, and they discovered that it was almost black on its male side, all black. Mm-hmm. And on the female side, it was paler and flecked with blue, red, and tortoiseshell. And, of course, at first they didn't realize that this was half female, half male butterfly, because really you only see that in circus sideshows, right? Yeah, I mean, their their sex organs were essentially welded together. You would think this is like a Fiji mermaid kind of a thing, right? Well, come see the the half half man, half woman butterfly, right? Yeah, they had uh, one one antenna was actually smaller than the others. And as you say, (laughs) the reproductive organs were fused together. And this is actually something called gynandromorphy happens from time to time. Yeah, so it serves as kind of an interesting symbol, I think, of uh, the fluidity of, of sex and gender that uh, in butterflies, but in just any organism, it's not uh, it's not so so fixed an issue. It isn't. And it's again, it's a response to environmental conditions. Mm. Um, it's somewhat of a question of energy resources, uh, survival. And uh, we wanted to point out, too, that we have an episode called Can Animals Be Gay that explores more of the behavior of animals. We didn't we want to make a distinction between what we're talking about today and this idea that animals behave in a way that seems gay. I'm putting that in quotes to yeah. us. Yeah, when you bring in the, the human baggage of, of trying to figure out how animals work. Yeah. So indeed, yeah, check out that episode if you like. We'll make sure that we link to that in on the landing page for this episode at stuff to blow your you know, we have a few minutes here. Let's call over the robot and uh, have a little listener mail. All right, this one comes to us from Porter. Porter writes in and says, Hi, I'm the digital director at the U.S. Fund for UNICEF and also an avid Stuff to Blow Your Mind listener. I've been working all weekend trying to raise funds for the Nepal earthquake relief effort. Uh, and I was listening to Stuff to Blow Your Mind episodes early Monday, and when What Do I Hear? During the Power of Polite episode, Julie mentioned donating to UNICEF is a nice thing to do while explaining the off-record uh, indirect politeness strategy. I can't tell you how happy that made me. Donating to UNICEF is a nice thing to do. Hey, also, restaurants, maybe there should be a national pizza day where you give 10% of your profits to UNICEF. If you can mention our Nepal donate form on the podcast, I'd be really grateful. Thanks for all the thanks for all the great episodes over the years. That's unicefusa.org slash Nepal. That's U-N-I-C-E-F-U-S-A dot org slash Nepal. Thanks, Porter. And, uh, yeah, guys, make sure to check that out. Um, if, if that has been on your mind, um, that would be a great thing to contribute to. We also have 
a bit of correspondence here from Caroline. This was a Facebook message that she sent us. She said, I just listened to your episode about politeness and I thought it was so great. When you were leading up to the most impolite society, I literally shouted, Eastern Europeans! I laugh because I'm a first-generation American whose parents are Polish. I spent much of my life in Poland and the United States and I can appreciate the direct attitude that Polish people have. It can be very abrasive to anyone from outside the culture. If I go to Poland for a few weeks at a time, I definitely begin to miss the friendliness of Americans, but I know a lot of my American friends perceive me as very direct. In Poland, it's certainly no big deal for someone at a bus stop to tell a complete stranger that their kid is being too loud. That would never happen here. She's right, it wouldn't. Uh, I get the unique experience of having both personality traits. You did also make a great point about familiarity in Eastern European culture. If you're a stranger, you will be looked at with suspicion, but if you are in the inner circle, you are among some of the kindest, loving people. We wouldn't greet a stranger with kisses, but your closest friends and family definitely get three cheek kisses. I love that you totally hit the nail on the head with this episode. Keep up the great work, Caroline. All right, so there you have it. Uh, hey, if you want to check out more episodes, including that uh, Can Animals Be Gay episode that we referenced earlier, uh, head on over to StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That is the mothership. That's where you'll find all of our podcast episodes, videos, blogs, you name it. And if you have some thoughts on animal sexual fluidity and you want to send them to us, we can do so by emailing us at BlowTheMindHouseOfWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.